Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God praise. Hallelujah. Oh, we bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is a joy to be here tonight at this youth conference. And I thank and give honor to uh, Pastor and Sister Weeks. We appreciate these people so much. Love them. They've been very dear friends of ours for many years. And then the Lord blessed them with Abigail. We love Abigail. Hallelujah. Thank you for the gift basket. When I walked in the room, I told my wife, it's the largest gift basket I've ever seen in my life. I appreciate that and all the, the comfortable accommodations. And then to be here with Truth Harbor Church and Cornerstone Youth Conference, what a joy it is. And I am so thankful. And then the ministry that's gone forth from this pulpit, I hate that I could not be here last night. But I am so glad that I was able to be here today to hear the anointed word of God, Brother Hodge, Brother Johnson, God bless them. I give honor to all the ministry that's here tonight. Uh, It is truly a humbling experience to stand in this pulpit when I know I'm surrounded by much more capable men that could do a, a, a much better job than I could ever do. And I feel humbled and honored uh, to have been asked to preach the Word of God tonight. I came here uh, from Arkansas, and I had no idea what I was going to preach. And I don't really like that feeling. I told someone one time when I go out to preach, because my burden is at home, this is not my comfort zone, that when I go out, sometimes I just feel like doing any, many, many, mo. But when I walked in the church today, I felt a confirmation in my spirit for this service tonight. So I would invite you to turn with me to the book of Daniel, chapter 1, verse number 8. I also give honor to my precious wife. I am so glad she was able to come with me. This is a rare treat for us, I can promise you. We have three children, and her hands are full with all four of us. I appreciate her. Also good to see my cousin, the John Hare. Love him, Sister Julie, very much. Daniel chapter 1, verse number 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. I want to draw your attention to the very first part of that verse. But Daniel purposed in his heart. But Daniel purposed in his heart. I want to preach tonight, if the Lord will allow me from this thought, the power of one decision. The power of one decision. Could we lift our hands and ask the Lord to help us tonight? Lord Jesus, we love you. We praise you, God. I need your anointing. I need your help. Touch my feeble lips of clay. Let me preach your word tonight. Give me a Holy Ghost unction, a fluency in the Holy Ghost, Lord, tonight to deliver your word to this people. God, may we all hear your word. 
Lord, let our hearts be open and receptive, God, and let us receive your word and let us respond to your word tonight. In Jesus' name, I pray. You may be seated. The three and a half square mile city of Babylon was the crown jewel of the Neo-Babylonian Empire. It stretched from the Mediterranean Sea to the Persian Gulf and northward to uh, the origins of the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. Those entering into this mighty city from the south They had to enter through the hugely imposing Ishtar Gate with its glazed bricks and bronze gates opening to a grand processional boulevard leading to the very heart of the city. One of the ancient wonders of the world was located in this crown jewel of this ancient empire. It was the hanging gardens of Babylon were an amusement for the ancients to view. Tiered gardens seeming to just hang suspended in midair were the talk of all of the known world at the time. Commerce flourished in Babylon. It was a city that was well fortified from outside attacks. The king had not one, but he had three royal palaces in Babylon. As one would pass through the Ishtar Gate, advance down the processional boulevard, one would find at the very heart of Babylon a towering ziggurat, To the god Marduk, whose name meant the Lord of the foundation of heaven and earth. Scattered throughout this three and a half mile, square mile city were many temples and ziggurats of worship to the adopted gods of the people of Babylon. Towers such as the one found in Genesis chapter 10 verse 10 that of Babel, uh, stood tall for the astrologers to plot the stars of the heavens and predict the future. In fact, from the cursed uh, genealogical lineage of, of Ham, the son of Noah, emerges the origins of Babylon. It was from uh, Nimrod. He was the founding father, if you will, of Babylon, and he was an evil man who desired to build a tower that would reach into the heavens, the Tower of Babel. The spirit of Babylon was that of its ancestor Nimrod, whose name meant, we shall rebel. And from this deviant history comes the dynasty we find in our text tonight, Daniel chapter 1. Verse number 8, it was the 10th dynasty of Babylonia. King Nebuchadnezzar was a proud and arrogant ruler who begins to unite all of the smaller kingdoms that were in the Mesopotamia area. And this evil king, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he, he conquers through military force all of these smaller 
kingdoms and consolidates it into a mighty kingdom. It was Nebuchadnezzar who pompously said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my might? And by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty, this king whose evil ambitions were to take over all of the known world, he went all the way to Jerusalem and in 586 he succeeded with his plan and he overthrew Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, his first plan of action was to go to the house of God, that sacred place where God's presence resided. And it was there that his armies defiled that sacred place and removed from that place the vessels of service. And then his attention turned from the house of God to the offspring of Israel. His attention turned to the children, to the kids. And it was into this situation that one man was dropped right in the middle of all of it. Daniel. He was a Jewish boy from the land of Israel. He was raised in the, in the customs and the manners of his ancient ancestors who were taught by none other than Moses. This young man, along with other bright young men, was kidnapped from his family and hauled all the way to Babylon. And with foreign culture swirling about him, exotic amusements to please the eye, unknown languages chattering in his ears, It was Daniel who made one decision. We find that decision in our text tonight. But Daniel, in the face of a foreign land, in the face of worldliness, in the face of heathen culture, but Daniel... I want to tell you tonight, none of us have an excuse. We may be surrounded by a lot of things in our world, but God is looking for someone that will make a decision. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. He purposed... In his heart. I'm here to preach to you tonight with a burden. The power of one decision can and will change your destiny forever. The decision you make at Cornerstone Youth Conference can change your destiny. It can change you forever. Hallelujah. I think about Lot. Lot chose unscrupulously the well-watered plains of Jordan. And that one decision cost him his family. Saul impatiently chose to offer the sacrifice before the man of God arrives. 
And that one decision cost him the kingdom. Samson lustily chose to go down to Timnath. And that one decision cost him his very life. I want you to know, young person, your decision making is important. And the decision you make tonight can and will affect you. But I also want to tell you the power of one good decision can also affect you and your destiny forever. Samuel humbly chose to answer the Lord's call, saying, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Queen Esther courageously chose to enter the king's court without a royal summons, saying, If I perish, I perish. And Daniel made one decision. He said, I will not defile myself. I'm here to preach to some young people. God is looking for you to make a decision. He's willing, He's wanting you to stand up and say, I will not, I will not defile myself. Oh, clap your hands to Him. I will not defile myself. I want to tell you tonight, you don't get into the heat of the situation and then decide what you're going to do. You don't, you don't get in the back seat of the car and decide to remain pure there. No, 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 no. You don't get to the iPad or the computer at 1 o'clock in the morning with the website ready to load to make up your decision then. There's got to be something down deep in you that says the world may be swirling about me, but I am going to hold fast. I'm going to make a good decision. I refuse to allow the enemy to influence me. Think about it. Daniel was away from his own family. He was away from everything he knew. He was being forced to do things he knew was not right. He could have slipped through. He could have slipped by. But he said, no, 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 no. This may be Babylon, but I'm not a Babylonian. I am a Jew. And I'm going to purpose. I'm going to purpose. I'm going to make a decision. Today's a day. I'm not waiting any longer. And it was this decision, this very first decision. I'm preaching about the power of one decision. It was this decision that led him to make another decision. Daniel chapter 6 verse 10. He kneeled upon his knees 
three times a day and prayed. You understand how it works. It's like dominoes. You push one, stack them all up, push one down, and they all start falling. The same is true with good decision making as well as bad decision making. When you make one good decision, it's going to lead you to another good decision. See, Daniel said, I'm going to purpose in my heart. I'm not defiling myself. And then he made the decision, I am going to pray not one time a day, not five minutes, not every other day, not when I get in trouble, not when I think about it, but I'm going to pray three times a day. And he gave thanks before his God as did aforetime. He decided that prayer would be an integral part of his life in Babylon. I want you to know, young person, you are in Babylon. You need to make prayer an integral part of your life. You can't survive without prayer. You can't make it without prayer. Nebuchadnezzar's too convincing. The amusements of the world are too flashy. The languages sound too good. You've got to pray. You've got to make a decision. I am going to pray. I'm going to just tell you, I don't care how long your skirt is. I don't care how good you think you are. You can't make it without prayer. You can't make it without prayer. You can jump, you can holler, you can shout and sing on Sunday night and be a fornicator on Monday night if you don't create an attitude and a discipline of prayer. His decision to purpose in his heart to not defile himself opened the door of opportunity for him to stand before the king. Oh, I want to tell you, you want to know why apostolic people are blessed? You want to know why they can stand by the king? Because they made some good decisions. You make a good decision and God will beckon you up before the king. He'll give you an opportunity. It won't be because you pulled your own self up by your bootstraps. It won't be because of your education. It won't be because of your last name. It won't be because of who you know. It will be because you made a decision. I am going to pray. I am going to seek the face of God. I'll give him praise. Come on, somebody. Come on. God is calling us. He's calling us. He's calling us. I want to tell you tonight, he was exalted to be the president over the empire. 
He wasn't just one of the presidents. The Bible says he was number one of three. His decision to pray daily led him into direct opposition of the king's decree. Who would have ever thought the apostolic message, hallelujah, about marriage between a man and a woman would be in direct opposition to the king's decree. But Daniel purposed in his heart, even if the decree is made, even if the king takes his kingly ring and stamps it on the document, I am not changing. I am not changing. I'm not moving. I've made a decision. Daniel chapter 6 verse 11. Then these men assembled. They found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Right in opposition. Knowing his job was on the line. And his very life was at stake. Daniel said I made a good decision a long time ago. And I'm not going to change now. Just understand, young person, you're clapping now. But when you're in the middle of the crisis, your good decision making back a few years ago will sustain you and will keep you in the middle of your crisis, in the middle of your situation. So these men conspired. They went outside Daniel's place. And they found him praying. I don't have time to tell you the whole story. I'll just do a real brief job here. He was taken from his chamber. He was thrown into the lion's den. The angel of the Lord shut the lion's mouth. The king was up all night worried about Daniel. I don't know about you, but I want the king up all night worried about me. (laughs) The king was up all night worried about Daniel. He came to check on him with the first light of daybreak. He calls out to Daniel. And Daniel responds loudly and he says, Oh king, live forever! Oh, that king was relieved. They took Daniel from the the den of lions. And I love this. See, this is the power of one decision. Daniel 6 and 24. And the king commanded. And they brought those men which had accused Daniel. And they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, and their wives. And the lions had mastery of them. In other words, the lions had a good lunch. And break all of their bones in pieces. Or they came at the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion 
of my kingdom. See, this is the power of one decision. One decision can change an entire kingdom. That in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. Listen to this. He delivereth and rescueth and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth. Who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. All Oh, because of one decision. Nobody sees me. My parents aren't here. My pastor's not here. My Sunday school teacher's not here. But the power of one decision influenced the kingdom of Babylon. You understand tonight that the the problem with man is we would rather put off our decisions. We would rather procrastinate, wait a little while. But I want to tell you, there's some decisions you cannot wait. You've got to make them now. I'm reminded of Joshua in Joshua 24. He looked at all of Israel that had been miraculously blessed by God. And he looked them straight in the eyes and he said, Choose you this day. You're not going to get 90 days to make the decision. You're not going to get a year waiting period. You're going to make a decision on this day. Let me tell somebody in this room tonight. Tonight may just be the night you need to go ahead and make up your mind. This may be the night. I'm going to make up my, I'm not defiling myself. I'm not going the way of the world. I'm not going to be influenced. I'm not changing. I'm going to hold fast. There comes a point when you must decide. James 5 and 12, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You need to make a decision. I'm tired of milly mouth Christians. Milly mouth apostolics. That can't decide if they really believe it or not. When they're with their one set of friends, they talk this way. When they're with the other set of friends, they talk this way. Hallelujah. It's time for you to be clear. It's time for you to be articulate. It's time for your yes to be yes and your no to be no. Acts the 24th chapter shares with us a very sad story. We find the Apostle Paul there with Felix and his wife Drusilla. She's a Jewess. She sends for Paul. Paul begins to preach. He begins to talk to him about faith in Christ. 
The Bible says he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. The Bible says Felix trembled or he became afraid. He was frightened. And he answered and said, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. I like the way the net puts it. Go away for now. And when I have an opportunity, I will send for you. But we understand that some decisions can only be made in the here and the now. And it may not be convenient. Your flesh will never think it's convenient. But sometimes you've got to make that decision right now. I'm coming to a close here tonight. It was in 1963 that Edward Lawrence presented a hypothesis to the New York Academy of Science. His theory simply was stated as this. A butterfly could flap its wings and set molecules of air in motion which would move other molecules of air. In turn, moving more molecules of air. Eventually, that butterfly's flap of wing could create a hurricane on the other side of the planet. Lawrence and his ideas were literally laughed out of the conference. What he had proposed was ridiculous. Therefore, because of the idea's charm and intrigue, the so-called butterfly effect became a staple of science fiction. So imagine the scientific community's shock and surprise when more than 30 years after the possibility was introduced, physics professors working from colleges and universities worldwide came to the conclusion the butterfly effect was authentic, accurate, and was viable. Soon after, the butterfly effect became known by a long name called the Law of Sensitive Dependence Upon Initial Conditions. I'm talking about the power of one decision. The power of one decision decision the decision you make tonight has the power to affect your eternity the story is told of a man a distinguished member of the British parliament in the late 1800's who was traveling to Scotland to give a speech and on his journey there to Scotland the carriage became stuck in the mud on a small country road a young Scottish boy who lived on the adjoining farm showed up with a team of draft horses and in short order had the distinguished gentleman on his way the man insisted on paying this young Scottish boy but he strongly objected to it and he would not take any money. He told the man that he was simply doing what a good neighbor should do. 
They should help one another in times of difficulty. The Englishman was quite taken aback by this young man and his attitude. And he asked him again, are you sure there isn't something I could do? Some way to pay you for your time, your effort. The young man replied, thank you sir, but it was the least I could do. It was a privilege for me to be able to help such an important man as yourself. The Englishman continued to be impressed by this young man, his spirit. He pressed him further. He said, son, what do you want to be when you grow up? And this young Scottish boy living on a farm in a rural area of Scotland, said, well, I would like to be a doctor, but I doubt it will ever happen since my family does not have the money nor uh, the way in which to provide an education. And that English statesman, that politician, told the young man, then I will help you to become a physician. As the years flew by, the politicians kept his the politician kept his promise. He paid for the young man to go to medical school. Nearly 50 years passed, and another famous Englishman, another famous statesman, stand with me tonight, lay dangerously close to death due to pneumonia was Sir Winston Churchill, who had become ill while attending a wartime conference. And England desperately needed his leadership as Hitler threatened to destroy the British Isles. Churchill miraculously recovered because his physician gave him an injection of a new drug. It was a wonder drug called penicillin. The brilliant medical doctor, Dr. Alexander Fleming, had recently discovered penicillin. And it just so happens that Fleming was the young boy who had pulled the stalled carriage out of the boggy mud. And the man who promised to return the favor by sending him to medical school was none other than Winston Churchill's father, Sir Randolph Churchill. The life of Alexander Fleming was totally changed the day he made one decision to help a stuck carriage I'm here to tell some young men some young women tonight your one decision has the power to change you your family your school your church your city your nation tell you one decision one decision I would think it would be in order right now for every young man, every young woman to walk to this front. 
We could have ended shouting, climbing the walls, but that's not the way the Lord wants this thing to end right now. We may do that before it's over. But right now, it's a serious time in this church. It's time for some young men to quit hiding behind your parents. Quit hiding behind their decision. It's time for some young ladies to step out and say as Queen Esther, if I perish, I perish, but I'm making a decision tonight. I'm going to make a decision. Enough. Enough with the uncertainty. Enough with the way things are as they are. I am changing that. I'm going to make a decision tonight. Come on, as they come and sing tonight, I'm making a decision. I'm going to make a decision. Come on, young man. Come on. Your eyes ought to be closed. Your hands ought to be in the air. Every young lady, come on. Come on. Come on. I can't make the decision for you. Your parents can't make the decision for you. Your pastor, as bad as he would like, cannot make the decision for you. You and you alone must make the decision. I'm going to make a decision. I'm making a decision. Come on. Consequences. Don't worry about the repercussions. And I will just make the decision tonight. Come on. Come on, don't be intimidated by the lady beside you, young lady. Come on, young man. Don't worry about who's next to you, who's in front of you. You make the decision. It's your life. It's your destiny. It's your eternity. I have stayed. Come on. Come on. I have drawn a line in the sand. And I won't be ashamed. With the world behind me. And the cross before. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. I will serve.
just be the very night that will infect the rest of your life. Jesus! 